0: Every single human can do something innovative from their chair. I don't care if you're an accountant or a playwright or a babysitter or an engineer <laughs> or an HR person. From your chair, you have the power to be creative about what you do. And every time you have an idea and you implement that creative idea, you're an innovator. And that's how we move forward.
1: We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want is now out in the world thank you so much for your support of the book with your help we are a number one amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette i have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories from my coaching clients using the values first framework between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order values first now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes and noble or Amazon. I want to make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest for this week, Amy Simpkins. As the co-founder and CEO at Mugrid Analytics, Amy solves wicked problems at the intersection of energy technology and economics using math and modeling. New Grid provides bankable techno economic analysis, optimized control, and project development of renewable energy, energy storage, and microgrids to maximize economic return, increase energy resilience, and promote energy equity in the U.S. and around the world. Amy is the author of Spiral a Catalyst for Innovation and Expansion, and the host of Power Flow Podcast, which amplifies diverse voices in the clean energy revolution. Amy holds a Master's in Astronautical Engineering from the University of Southern California and a Bachelor's in Aeronautics and Astronautics from MIT. In our conversation, we talked about both incremental and disruptive innovation how anyone regardless of your job title can innovate, how to make innovation more approachable and how diversity, equity and inclusion impacts innovation. I learned so much from Amy and I know you will too. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: You are so very welcome. I am happy to be here.
1: Well, before we get Into our topics for today. I'd love it if you could tell us more about you. Can you tell me your story?
0: Sure, absolutely. I will I will start at the present and just kind of give the bottom line up front. I work in renewable energy and in microgrids, doing modeling and analysis and development of microgrid systems. Um, I co-founded a small consulting firm, Um, Mugrid Analytics, and developing consulting and some technology as well to move the clean energy industry forward. But that is not where I started. So going back to the beginning, um, I am an aerospace engineer by education. Um, I grew up wanting to be an astronaut all i ever wanted to do was work in spaceflight and so that's what i did i have i have two degrees in aerospace engineering specifically around spacecraft design integration and operation and i did that work for 10 years with lockheed martin in the first part of my career i kind of got a little bit antsy under you know uh, working for corporate i started to get interested in some other things and i discovered the world of entrepreneurship that wow, like you don't have to work for some big giant company. You could actually do something based on what you are passionate about, based on what you have to offer the world and perhaps feel like you have more of an impact as an individual. And that really appealed to me. So I left my corporate job in engineering and I thought I was leaving engineering forever. The joke's on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, And I started doing uh, business coaching and consulting. Um, I was helping other people start their businesses. And the reason I kind of got into that kind of work was because I saw this parallel between engineering complex systems and designing a business, that a business is just another kind of complex system. And you bring the same kind of design structures, frameworks, thought patterns around identifying problems and then. Brainstorming and developing solutions to business that you do to any kind of piece of technology. And that was the really the roots of where I got really interested in innovation theory. How does innovation happen? And what does innovation really mean? Because I was seeing the same kinds of innovative patterns in, Developing technology as I was in business. And I even went even deeper than that. Um, and that's when I wrote my book, uh, Spiral. It's about the innovative process. And one of the outcomes of that period of coaching other people to start their own businesses and then thinking about how innovation happens was getting involved in the clean energy industry. And uh, my business partner, who also happens to be my husband, was thinking about whether or not he should start his own clean energy company and given everything that i had ever learned in engineering about the engineering process and in business about starting a business and about innovation i said i think we can do this together i think this is worthwhile i think it will be very impactful i think there's an opportunity and so let's do it and so that that's the founding story of new Grid analytics that's working in clean energy now. So that business is about six years old at this point and doing well. We weathered the pandemic, which was exciting for everyone, of course, and touch a little touch and go there for a while. But I think now in this post-pandemic time, when attention is really turning to climate change and how to mitigate climate change and how to incorporate more clean energy, the clean energy industry is just really booming and it's a really exciting time to be part of it.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. And I I love that this theme of innovation is the kind of the red thread. Well, many red threads, but this, if it's a complexity here, well, it's a complexity in business too, and how you, how you found your way. Um, but that also,
0: like you said, you, you didn't let go of that engineering
1: either, did you?
0: No, no, I found my way home. Yeah. And it, it was, it's funny that you say like that there's a thread running through it. Like that's sort of my story and my superpower is finding threads that run through things, finding threads that are common between things that don't seem like they're very common. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yes, here I am back in tech and back in a very male dominated industry. And so, um, and all the challenges that go with that, but it is really cool because it, does feel like I'm using sort of everything I've ever learned mm-hmm. um to be here and to work through this stuff.
1: So you mentioned some of the challenges. Can we um can we name some of those challenges?
0: Well there's lots of challenges. There's lots of so, challenges. <laughs> being a woman so, in tech. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um well let's talk about like energy, you know, clean energy for, for a minute that like you know the our energy industry, our energy infrastructure, our grid has more or less operated the way that it does for for over a hundred years. It's the electricity service has been in existence for slightly longer than that. But like the grid itself has been at the way that it is for about a hundred years. And its primary goal from the beginning was to be reliable, ultimately reliable, and to never have you wonder if the, when you turn the light switch, is the light going to come on? The whole goal of the energy industry is to make sure you never have to wonder. Reliability is king more than anything else at any expense, at any cost, either monetary cost or planetary environmental cost. Doesn't matter. That has been its foundation of operations and here we are at a time that we are saying we want to ch- we want you industry to change all of your technology the way you produce energy the way you store it in some ways the way you transmit it and distribute it the way you charge for it the way the market works and we want you to incorporate very complex control problems because we want to create efficiencies between energy generation and usage at buildings and now electric vehicles and transportation electrification, and we're introducing all this new complexity that no one ever saw coming into this industry that has been completely stable itself with the goal of stability for 100 years. And to bring that back around to kind of the gender issue as well, it's extremely male-dominated. It's extremely white male-dominated, which To me, culturally, not to paint with too broad of a brush, but fits that description. So now you've got an energy, an industry that's been stable for 100 years, that its whole goal is stability run by a group of people who demographically value stability and resist change. And now we are coming in and saying we're going to change everything. And so there's a whole lot of challenges on every level connected with that. There's certainly technological challenges. There are certainly logistical and regulatory challenges of like, okay, but like, how do you make standards around all of this? How do we encourage change, but also keep it safe and also still keep it reliable? Can we even do that? But then culturally, culturally there's a challenge around coming in and saying, we really do need to think outside the box here. You know, in some ways there's, there's an effort to take the new technology and put it into the same old boxes. So using the same financial structures, the same financing mechanisms, the same type of market constructs that we were using before and to cram the new technology into that. And in some ways it sort of works and it's, it's how we're going to see this slow fade of technology adoption, but in other ways we do need some disruption. And so then who is in charge of managing that disruption? Who is in charge of pushing that forward? You know, who carries the torch for that? And how do we do that when culturally the whole industry wants to dig in its heels and say, no, we don't want anything to change because change is risky and risk means instability.
1: I love the picture that you just painted because this, like you said, it's like this chasm of like all of these things at one time when what has been rewarded in the past has been stability. Right. And so as an innovator, how do you deal with that? How do how do you show up and how do you motivate other companies to do
0: that? One of the things that I think I have had to learn is that I cannot personally as an individual fix everything in the system. And that sounds silly, but was also a hard lesson for me to learn personally, because I did have this, like, it's going to be me that bears the torch, you know, and, and it just, it's too big. It's too big. And so when it's such a big problem, it's such a big change we're talking about happening. There's going to be combinations. So there's, you know not to not to simplify innovation too much but there's two kinds of innovation there's incremental innovation where you start from the framework you have and you make small changes along the way and then there's disruptive innovation which comes in and just rips things out by the roots and like and changes it and what we need here is both and i think that's a theme you might hear me say is there's a lot of both and around this because we do need disruptive technology, we need disruptive thought, we need disruptive structures in place to help make this change. That definitely has to occur. But there will never be a time when like, we just rip the whole grid out by its roots and then we put something down in its place. That's not possible. So there has to also be incremental innovation. And so the the thing that I encourage individuals to do, and this is true within the industry but also just for everyone. My I love to say that innovation is for everyone. Innovation is an inherently human process. Like you don't have to be an engineer or a scientist or some like crazy inventor or some venture capitalist or something like that. Like innovation is inher- an inherently human process. And you don't it doesn't take that far to get to that idea. If you think about Creativity. You know, creativity is an inherently human characteristic that we create new things. We create art and poetry. And every time we create something, whether it's artistic or technological, it's a solution. Even art is a solution. Art is a solution to communication. You know, how can I communicate these ideas better in a way that's more understandable, in a way that's more enjoyable, or a way that's more painful. Right. And same thing with technology, you know, technology creation is solutions. And all of that is part of the same creative process. There's a lot of people that want to put a a wedge between like right brain creativity and say that left brained people are not inherently creative because they deal in code and numbers and structures. And I, Completely disagree <laughs> that, like, it's all on the same spectrum of human creativity, and the processes that we use as humans to develop works of art is the same as the process we use to develop works of technology. And so, the reason that I say that is because your question was in the face of these major challenges, how do people innovate? And the fact is, is that you have to, ju- I think, I think the answer to that question is that you have to allow your inherent human innovation process to come forth you at some point in your life you're going to get an idea about something you're going to look at a problem and say that is stupid it can be done better and I have an idea how that might happen and then it's going to not let you go it's going to sit there in your brain and spin around and you're going to start to put pieces together like you know how I could do that I could build a thing Or I could talk to this person, or I could like do some research on how it might actually work. And that's starting to put actual bones into it, actual legs onto that idea and start to become an implementation of the idea. And most people, a lot of people, that's where they get to. And then they never bring that into the physical world. But if we can bring that into the physical world, whatever the idea is, then we can test it and say, how did it work? Did it work how you thought it would? Did it make it better? Did you figure out something? Because the leap between theory and practice is a chasm. And that is, I think in innovation, the hardest chasm to cross. At Mugrid, we do a ton of modeling. And so these are software models and they're all numerical models of the way we think real hardware is going to behave. And we have helped several different projects get implemented in the field where you actually have to build the thing in the field. And let me tell you, when you get into that build phase and you're like, what do you think it takes to install this piece of hardware? It's completely different from what your theory thought that it was. Mm. Your theory was like, well, the installation part is easy. I don't need to even need to think about that. But it's a huge gap bringing that idea to a Physical reality through hardware and installation is sometimes the biggest leap, And then the testing of it and going back, the completing the process of saying, how does it work is also a part that sometimes gets left on the table. The last piece of the natural human innovation cycle is actually a period of rest and reflection. And this is the piece of the cycle that most often gets left out because we live in a productivity culture. And productivity culture says, you just accomplished something, fantastic, let's move on to the next thing. And never takes a moment to say, hey, what just happened? Like, I just put forth a big effort. I need to take a break, I need to take a step back. I need to ask myself how that went, you know, is it something I wanna continue to engage with? Can we do it better? you know, all of that, that pause, that sacred pause is important. So all the things I'm talking about here are this natural human innovation cycle. And it's what I wrote about in my book, Spiral. And embracing that cycle, embracing that your ideas are important, embracing that you have the power to make a difference. And I'm not talking about like coming up with some next generation clean energy technology that's going to reverse climate change. Like that's not on you. Every single human can do something innovative from their chair. I don't care if you're an accountant or a playwright or a babysitter or an engineer or an HR person, from your chair, you have the power to be creative about what you do. And every time you have an idea and you implement that creative idea, you're an innovator. And that's how we move forward. I love
1: so much of what you just said. I wanna dig in a little bit if that's okay. You had talked about um, the two types of innovation, so incremental
0: and disruptive. How do you know when to do which kind? That's a great question. The, I think the answer is, the, and and I use, I used to think you could choose it. I used to think you could be like super strategic and be like, I'm totally going to work on some incremental innovation right now. I think it just happens. Mm-hmm. I think the part you need to really focus on and to li- be deliberate about and be proactive about is making sure that you're moving through your own cycles. What are you working on in front of you? Where are your ideas coming from? Those ideas that are coming are either going to be incremental in nature. They're going to improve upon a structure that already exists or they're going to be disruptive. They're going to say, you know what? We should try this different completely. And I don't think there's necessarily a complete choice about that unless you have two ideas at the same time and you're kind of debating. I think some of these bigger picture arcs of innovation are things that we can see when we turn around and we look back and we say, oh, wow, like the transition between horses and carriages for transportation and motor vehicles was like, here's where it dis- was a disruptive and here's where it was a disruptive and the rest was incremental. It's those are just theory, like it's theory that we can turn around and we can look back and we can evaluate history and we can see the patterns. And sometimes I think the value of those patterns is that we can look at where we are now because innovation, I was just talking to someone this morning, innovation always feels like chaos when you're in the middle of it. It always feels like no one knows what they're doing and there's no actual or real plan. But in reality, when you look back on it, you're going to see the pattern. And so that's what I think is the value of those larger patterns is not necessarily so you can make a choice about how to move forward, but that you can look at what you're working on and say, oh, it's actually not chaos. It actually fits into this larger pattern.
1: I really like that. I I think as I work with companies now, it feels like, especially some of the growth companies, they're. They're talking about innovation and they are talking about incremental versus disruptive or growth, or, you know, what got us here, won't get us there, those kinds of things. And so what you're saying is maybe we just focus on innovation and then we, we decide what is the best idea and that's what we do. It's less about incremental and disruptive. It's more about
0: what's our process and let's just do it. Exactly. What's our process and let's just do it. And how can we encourage at least a subset of us to break out of our normal patterns our normal patterns of thought of work of the way we do it and ask hard questions about how things can be improved so like process improvement is a is a whole discipline right and process improvement is all about incremental innovation which is great and you also need to and so that you know when companies are thinking like innovate or die which is a principle of innovation. Like, you know, you know, you can't just have your initial idea and implement that one idea. And that is the only thing you're ever going to do for the rest of the life of your company. Otherwise the life of your company is going to be quite short. There has to be attention paid again, both. And we need to pay attention to stability, reliability, and scalability, which is a very mature and non-innovative part of the path to be on so that we have this like baseline stability for our company but then we also have to be looking toward the future and always thinking about where we go to next and what comes after that like it has to be both and you can't say to to a company like why aren't you innovating you're just concerned with stability all the time like yes of course you're concerned with stability and reliability and doesn't this echo the same pattern of our electrical grid like of course we want our grid to be stable and reliable of course we want our company to be stable and reliable and bringing in income and paying their people and even giving shareholder returns there's nothing wrong with shareholder returns and we always need to be looking forward and so like you would also never come into a company and say like oh it's great that you're so stable and you haven't haven't done anything new in the last 15 years like that doesn't make any sense either so like it's really has to be both and i think you know, as a leader myself, you know, it's, I have a small company, but I am the CEO and I think of it, you know, as leading a team that like, I often feel caught between those two poles. It's like, how do we standardize and execute a a process so that our clients know what to expect? So it's easy to price our work so that it's, you know, we um, don't burn out our employees on the one hand. And how do we prepare to go after what's next in an industry that's rapidly changing? I have to hold both of those things as a leader. And is it easy? No, it is not easy. So all respect to the people who have to hold those two things. That's really what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. Creating space for, like you said, the both and. So you also mentioned that you don't care kind of what your job is. Babysitter, HR, engineer, there is room for this. So if that's not my traditional job of, you know, if I don't have a job title of research and development or engineering or whatever it is, how can I make time for innovation in my regular job? Is it holding time, holding thinking time? What are some um, tips that you have for our audience?
0: Yeah, for sure. So the first thing I would tell people who are just coming into this like innovation for everyone idea is actually to think about your personal life. Like, let's take it away from your work for a minute. Let's take it away from the goals of like the larger organization. And let's talk about you. Like you in your life go through these cycles of creativity. And sometimes you're actually manifesting, you know, something concrete. Like it could be a creative work or it could be, I don't know, I just finished a, the science fair with my kids and likes the science fair project okay so that's an activity where we have to have an idea i mean it's the scientific method come on you have to have an idea and then you have to figure out how you're going to execute the idea then you have to actually execute the idea right so like there's something in your life maybe it's science fair projects with your kids or maybe it's some kind of creative project or maybe it's a an outdoor adventure you've been wanting to go canoe um you know, some big river or something in you know, the boundary waters or something like that. And you need to like put it together every time you execute a project of any kind in your life. And it could be something as simple as, you know, changing the way you exercise or changing the way you clean your house. You're implementing something new. And so I challenge you first as an individual to look at your personal life and see how does my process work? And does it fit in with these? I mean, I'm betting because I've seen this pattern and I wrote a book about it, that it fits this pattern of inspiration and then implementation and then investigation about how it goes and then introspection, which is a period of rest and reflection. And then after you've rested and reflected for a while, you start to have more ideas. And so you go back into the cycle of inspiration. And I bet if you start to pay attention, you see the pattern that you'll see that when you have a project in front of you, it has this structure. And even people who don't think in structured ways, even people who are like, oh, I am not an engineer. I am totally scattered all the time. Like, I believe that this pattern exists for you, even if you're not a pattern person, because this is just a natural human cycle. It's a natural earth creature cycle. It very closely mirrors the seasons of the earth. It actually closely mirrors the phases of the moon. Like. We all live in these cycles, like we're cyclical beings, And so picking out those patterns can be your first introduction into saying, wow, I am a creative, innovative being. And when I'm trying to do something new, like canoe the boundary waters or do a science project with my kids, I'm using this process. And once you start to pick out the pattern for yourself in your personal life, you start to see the pattern In other areas as well, and I think we put a lot of pressure on the idea of innovation. Like, you can like see how it, listener, see where it registers in your body. If I say creativity, now see how it registers in your body when I say innovation. Like, did it feel like heavier and more important to say innovation? Yeah. Did it say something that was like higher or like above your pay grade? A little bit. Right, and really like they're, they're the same where innovation has more of a forward moving direction. Innovation is creativity with purpose to move forward, to keep improving. And so sometimes I think it it takes on this feeling, especially around work where, Oh, that must be someone else's job. That must be someone else's responsibility. When in fact, the only way innovations ever happen is when individuals have crazy ideas or not so crazy ideas. And so that's why I say like, starting with your personal life helps you draw it into your professional life and then start to see, I've been doing this already. Like I'm an accountant and I built a different spreadsheet because the other one was dumb. Like, and I, and this one's way easier for me to use. Boom, innovation, like right there in front of you. Again, you don't have to be the person who thinks of a new clean energy technology that's going to reverse climate change. Like all of those little pieces that are moving your organization forward are helping. And I'll just add this and say that another thing that I have learned in my life is I can do anything, mostly, asterisk, but I can't do everything. And sometimes I feel guilty that I'm only in my one lane. And that I can't help with other problems. But what I have realized, and this is actually just recent, and it sounds a little pithy, but it is, it it did just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, was that by working in my lane and moving my lane forward, I'm actually moving the other lanes forward. That moving clean energy forward and helping to reverse climate change is supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion. It is supporting putting energy into areas that have energy poverty. You know, it's supporting you know, economic growth where there needs to be growth. It's supporting a sustainable economy. Like there's like, you know, and even though I'm not working in all of those different areas, I'm working in this one little area. My work in this area moves us all forward, which is why your new accounting spreadsheet moves us all forward. We're one of my own podcast guests just told me we're all rowing in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And we all have an oar. And like, it's not my job to have every oar That's not physically possible. But if we all have our oar and we're all rowing our oar, you move forward.
1: I love a good rowing
0: reference. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a rower, so I hope that was like accurate.
1: I love it. I'm an indoor rower, so I don't really go in a boat, but I love a good erg, and so I love it. (laughs) Nice made a rowing reference. Okay, so I love your definition of creativity, and I felt like that exercise just felt innovate. You made innovation feel so much more approachable. And that is such a key way that you can make it just a part of your everyday. Not even when you're at work, you gave us some really great tangible ways to do that. It doesn't feel as heavy now that you've described it that way. So thank you. I also love this, um, love this day. Like, you're rowing, you're, or you're staying in your lane and you're impacting all of the other things. I feel like as women, sometimes we see the problem over there and we know, like we can, we can see how it impacts other things, or we are maybe listening more potentially. You don't have to be a woman to do that. But I, sometimes the people that I coach, the clients that I have, mostly women, um, this theme has come up this, I know I can impact that thing too, but it's technically not part of my job, but I see that it needs to be like, nobody's doing anything about it. Right. And we have this kind of guilt or shame or whatever it is. And we just can't do it all. Like we, just cause you can fix it doesn't mean it's your job too. And I love your analogy of if you keep doing what you're doing, it will probably and most likely impact the other things too.
0: Yeah, that what you just said is a major lesson that I am seriously right in the middle of currently learning of my personal tendency to see things that are wrong in other areas and say, well, I could fix it. And it's true. I probably, I can do anything. I can fix anything. I just can't fix everything. Mm -hmm. I will be completely burned out. And so I wanted to bring it back around because you were asking about the challenges of you know, working as a woman in a male dominated industry. And we want to, you know, to talk about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. And this is, I think this is a thing. I think the reason we have so many stovepipes within industries, between industries, between functions is because it is a very male, not to paint with too broad a brush, but a very male approach to be focused and stovepipes, and it is a more female approach again, and not to get into too many gender binaries, right? Obviously this is all a spectrum. This is all, there are lots of gray areas between these, but it is a very female feminine approach to see things as interconnected webs as opposed to focused pipes. And we sometimes take an antagonistic view of that tension that it's either or. And again, this is another both. And hmm. there are times when it is extremely helpful to be focused and detailed and specific. That's how things get done, is when you can be focused and detailed and specific. And I think it is also beneficial to be able to step back and see the wider web, see the bigger picture of the things that are interconnected, the, see the interrelationships between these very diverse things. And I think it's why we need to have more diversity of leadership, diversity in engineering, diversity in technology, to, because we need both of those perspectives. And this has never been about, I mean, feminism has never been about supplanting men or something like that, right? It is a, it's really a both and, like we have to have this focused approach, which sometimes means boundaries and stovepipes, but if it's all that all the time, then we miss, it's completely inefficient and we miss big pictures. We miss opportunities that exist in complexity. And I think what you're seeing is now that we do have more women and non-binary folks coming into the workplace, coming into leadership, we have more of that webbed perspective. We do have more of the broader big picture and we're starting to break down the stovepipes. but it's messy because we're still new at this and we haven't all figured out how we work together and leverage all of each other's strengths along that spectrum. And even, I mean, I find myself moving in between layers of that. Like, you know, we talked earlier about how disruptive versus incremental innovation is a very high level theoretical concept and it's more contextual. And sometimes I have to go up to that level and to be able to see a pattern but there's other days I have to be like way down in the details of the weeds like looking at a wiring diagram and talking about matching amperage and you know and it like it's like I literally need to have electrons flowing from here to here that is all I need to have today right and it's so far away from that level of of the overall the overall view and so first we need to have both and in leadership we need to have a focused boundary-filled perspective, and we need to have a boundary-breaking webbed perspective. And that's going to come from diversity in leadership. And then as individuals, I think we also need to recognize that we need to be able to move between those perspectives. And sometimes that is challenging because we all have a, a comfort zone that we, we want to operate. Like we would rather stay in that big theoretical happy picture and never actually have to think about implementation. Or some people would rather just turn screwdrivers all the time and never have to think about the higher level. And while we all should work in our zone of genius, we all need to keep in mind that these other places exist. I love
1: the idea that play where you play, where your zone of genius is, but do not forget that both are important and there's, there's room to do that. And you'll get more of that the more diverse your team is. Absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. And more people who can help you when it's not in your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and help you to have that awareness that you need to have and make it actually more comfortable because they've got it. They've got the perspective and they can explain it to you anytime that you need it. And as long as we can like work together, then having all those perspectives on the teams makes the team stronger.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time today. I loved how you made. You know, this idea of innovation just seems so approachable that anybody can do. How can we
0: connect with you and how can we learn more from you? Awesome. Well, to connect with me personally, the best way is usually LinkedIn. I am pretty active on the platform and it has all my contact information. You can also check out amysimpkins.com. That has links to a lot of, I'm a polymath. I'm into a lot of different things. You probably got that idea. So there's links to a lot of different things that I do, including my company, NewGrid, my podcast, Power Flow, which highlights diverse voices in clean energy, all female non-binary and BIPOC professionals who are experts in their fields, who bring lots of these different kinds of perspectives, lots of different um, mental frameworks and thought structures. And it's a really good time. So if you're into clean energy and climate technology, definitely check out Powerflow. That's on amysimkins.com or at powerflowpodcast.com. And I invite you to check out my book. If you want to dive deeper into the idea of innovation for everyone, my book is Spiral, a catalyst for innovation and expansion.
1: Thank you so much. Um, And we will put all of those links in the show notes for today's episode. Amy, just thank you so much for your time, your thought leadership. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: I want to thank you so much for listening to the, you belong in the C-suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on apple podcasts by leaving a review. You're helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes, editing and support for the podcast is done by S and E podcast management to get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.